106.5 WFMP, this is Community Control. Now, the show seeking democratic community control of public institutions with a particular interest in the U.S. policing apparatus. I'm your co-host, Vincent Gonzalez. Doing 80 and the 55, Michael T. Manson. What's up to the people? What's up, my people? Yeah. Also, I got Owen the building, man. Say what's up to the people. You know, I think I'm about going to use some soft power on it and call myself in the rampant abuses by the state, which greatly target persons of color and the economically disadvantaged. Community Control now believes in all power of all oppressed people all over the world. For today's show, we're looking at the mass shooting in Buffalo that was white supremacist motivated. I'm not gonna have a dialectical conversation about all the different means and ways that that happened. And we're going to try to see if we can come together, consolidate our forces around these ills that face us. Before we do that, my brothers, how we living, man? Fighting the power. Yep. Now more than ever. Yep. And fundamentally, to the degree that I ain't making no living the way I'm living, <laughs> y'all going to pay me, okay? Dig it. Hey, man. Reparations. Yeah, yeah. Something or something. For real, for real. Okay, but let's get into the facts of this case. On May 14th, 2022, a mass shooting occurred in Buffalo, New York at a Tops Friendly's Market. Okay, so this was on the east side of Buffalo, which is considered the black side of town. This white supremacist comes in, kills 10 people, injures three of all of the victims, I want to say 11 of them were black. So this was white supremacist motivated. So after they apprehended him, they started searching through his social media and they saw that he extolled support for this far right great replacement conspiracy theory. And uh, my dear brother, Michael T, could you please enlighten our dear viewers about this? Great replacement. Absolutely. And first, I want to point out to our dear viewers that that term replacement is uh, at best a deliberately used misnomer and at worst a very racist, fascist conspiracy theory. But it began actually as the theory that uh, people classified as white are being systematically eliminated. Now, we can trace the origins of this to, among other places, uh, the early part of the 20th century with this guy named Madison Grant, uh, who is, I should point out to my readers, is the prime antagonist in my new play about Ida. Madison Grant, who wrote a book in 1916 called The Passing of the Great Race, in which he laments all of the mostly European immigra immigrants coming here to the U.S. And he says that, essentially in the book, the theme is that these folks are undermining the Anglo-Saxon American population. And... Uh, you know, the, the classic eugenicist line was that 
these people were inferior, and these were white-looking people, uh, that these white Anglo-Saxons represented by Madison Grant are saying so are not true whites. There was like strata within the construct. Yes, so eugenicism excluded them in the name of some pure Nordic Anglo-Saxon race. And, and then I think you told me that um, Hitler would go on to yes, study that, some of his theories. Yes, and, exactly. And um, But I just want to add that, of course, in that eugenicist theory, dark-skinned people, black people, were at the bottom of the racial hierarchy. Now, this theory so enthralled uh, a guy named Hitler in Germany hmm. that uh, he began to study all of this. And he was also looking at, this is in the 1920s when you know Hitler and his brand of reactionaries were on the rise, they were looking at the U.S. Jim Crow laws, which you could really say uh, were eugenicism or white supremacy in practice, you know, going back to the uh, chattel slavery. And now they were in the phase where they were trying to drive us back to slavery, the, you know, the U.S. ruling class. So they had actually instituted eugenicist-like laws, hmm. actually worse than that because uh, uh, the laws that the U.S. Uh, promoted actually gave some space for the so-called inferior white people and gave them some power that they didn't even have in Europe over all black people. So to the degree that there's any like variance in that structure, it's empire sharpening empire? In a sense, mm. yes. So um, a bunch of laws were passed in the 1920s, um, barring any number of populations uh, from voting, from citizenship rights, you know, they were constantly changing, depending on the needs of the capitalists. You know, if they needed cheap labor, they'd bring in Mexicans and other folks. When they didn't need them, then they'd borrow them. Then they needed uh, Chinese to work the railroads, they'd bring them in. And when they didn't need them, after the work was over, then they'd pass the Chinese Exclusion Act. And this is the way the, 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 my, the immigration policies went because... This was all part of the white supremacist project, which was set in motion with the founding of the U.S. nation state to socially engineer the population so that they would have a majority. And this is very critical because, I mean, a lot of times when people look at the the social configurations in this country, they, they say, well, you know, white people are the majority, you know, and perhaps they should rule, you know, we should rule. We are the minority. But we don't even question how did they get the majority? Did they come here to this landmass with the majority? All the Europeans came here and immediately formed the majority? No. Mm -hmm. They socially engineered this through the genocide of the indigenous people who were the majority. Yes. And through racist immigration policies, who they allowed in and out of the country, who they were able to determine were citizens. That is where the power lay. Um, so... Um, when we look at this um, replacement theory, there are two essential versions of this. One is that there's a secret cabal of Jewish elites using immigrants and black people who are already here to replace whites. Um, that was uh, supposedly the motivation for the El Paso mass murderer and the Buffalo murderer. He cited 
he cited the same reasoning. Hmm. Another version of that uh, replacement theory is uh, liberals and communists are orchestrating the elimination uh, to replace whites. And all of this is based on uh, the premise that the American nation state is a fundamentally white and Christian state that must be maintained, right? Uh, no power um, for Muslims, other religious categories, and definitely none for people of color. And what we have to uh, really keep in mind is that and I said earlier why this is all bogus, because white folks are not being replaced. What they're lamenting is that their reproduction is not keeping pace, due to a lot of mean reasons, with the reproduction of the other social groups. So in spite of all their efforts to kill off the indigenous people and engineer the the uh, the um, migration policies, the immigration policies, they're losing the numerical race, particularly from the brown people. They know that they definitely, even if our numbers as black people have been somewhat slowed down, you know, in our reproduction, there are groups that are reproducing at a much faster rate than the white people. So it's not a thing of them being replaced. Nobody's killing them like they kill people. Nobody's slaughtering them. Nobody's depriving them of food or anything. Nobody's stopping them from reproducing. Hmm. But they know that numerically their majority is dwindling. And in about 10 years, it will so, be over. So what is it to say of a construct that needs an overwhelming mass of persons all on the same ideology in order to you know, meet its aims? You know, so and that's where the fear kind of comes in. Yeah, there you is. know, the fear mixed within the history. Oh, you just gonna say something? Well, yeah. So as my brother is over here describing things, uh, fundamentally speaking, I have to ex I have to experience this uh, conversation from where I live it. Yeah. So as you said, in El Paso, right? Y por mi gente en El Paso y todo en Texas. For those of you who know, you know. What was a really big sticking point at that time was the denial of there being an acknowledgement of there being a like a, a racially motivated crime to the degree that we even be uh, investigated, whether at the state or at the federal level, you know, however the judicial system works for them, uh, that they were there was a, a there was a political acumen to say, how, how could you um, how this isn't racially motivated? OK, well, fine, fine. White to the degree that white supremacist dogmatic ide ideation is a refusal of what is fundamentally the truth. We are not the minorities with respect to the global population. Yes, that's considering what are considered white people, and even amongst them, who they do and do not consider white. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an important point because you know, historically speaking, and, and this stuff can only be understood historically, hmm. white people classified as white, which is a relatively new classification. I, I like how uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates put it. It's like those who presume themselves to be white. Yes. You know, it's, it's so much of this is yes. highly constructed to the point where you're really picking nits to even get in. They, they don't even know all the rules a lot of times of who is and who isn't white, but yeah. we know this to be a uh, mass psyche. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's this, uh, an artificial construction. Yes. Yeah, a default kind of, um, construct, you know, construct handshake agreement that they've all had amongst each other, and many of it is fomented in violence. Hmm. Yes, and the belief that 
other persons of uh, different colors, different ways of life um, from their heteronormativity are um, inferior and not worth protecting. So it's like, it's not to say, I mean, you can believe the earth is in a teacup <laughs> or what have you, you know. It, what we're here, what we're saying here is the heights in which this goes and the things that people feel that they have to do to, to preserve it. You know, they're going into stores and, and cut to notice, they never they never go up to the projects or nothing. They, you know, <laughs> they want to go somewhere where they know it's not going to be heavily fortified. It's just yes. people living their lives. But I think for a lot of us, I was trying to dig the sentiment on social media that, you know, why we always got to be on the other end of the gun. You know, we, we're just, I mean, I always hold this. Most black people... More than anything, they just want to be left alone. <laughs> and and getting still, uh, you know, our bodies are cannon father for these uh, white supremacist aims. So it's like, what 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 rules that? Like, what is the the number one construct that makes them go to these heights? Well, well, a lot of it's ignorance, if I may say. Uh, yes, a lot of it's ignorance, not knowing the history, because a lot of them don't know the whole historical development of the United States and how white people as a social construct materialized, how they were socially engineered to be the numerical majority, a majority that they did not have originally, they had to engineer to get. And I also want to add too, uh, when we, you know, when we talk about this uh, uh, replacement theory that there's a reproductive element in it too where it connects with the reproductive justice movement. Many of the replacement theorists, they're concerned that white women aren't you know, producing babies yeah. like they were before. So part of the anti-abortion movement is to force them to reproduce at higher levels. So they hopefully through that can forestall the uh, numerical, you know, change. Oh, what you think about that? Where's this coming from? And and looking at it, looking at it from the standpoint of these two shootings, right? In and in, I think it's when we when we look at uh, that individual, that foul individual that shot people at church, both both in a synagogue and at a black church, right? Mm -hmm. In uh, in the Walmart in El Paso and at, at the top store in uh, in Buffalo, to the degree that race child soldiers i'm gonna say that again i'm gonna switch that child race soldiers who are fundamentally envisioning a battlefield it's sunday school it's church it's the store it's walmart the centers of either religious or or, or even economical commerce to the degree that they are that children because that's what they are children with respect to them one 18 arbitrary age two to the degree that this person in their adult machinations that they presume, they pick up a weapon that their parents probably paid for, gas that they probably didn't mm. work hard for, and, at, and even at the moments where the tools that they use, we have a conversation about like, well, gun rights, like, fine, fine. But to the degree that this is a video game for them, completely devoid from reality, completely devoid from the actual context, because in the early days of, the, uh, of, of gaming being taken to the internet, when I was playing on, the, uh, on Xbox or, or or a PlayStation, I heard the N-word all the time. 
<laughs> yeah. And they didn't. And this wasn't in the times when you could like put a video camera and see me. You heard my voice. You you even read my name. And instantly, from across the country, I'm all kind of n words, and we're playing a game. Yeah. yeah. And so, so we have to recognize this is a national. This is an international movement. Yeah. You know. But, but um, before we recognize that, I would like to recognize that you are listening to 106.5 WFMP Community Control Now. Co-host Vincent Gonzalez, Michael T. We got a special guest O in the building, man. Ooh. We are talking about the Buffalo shootings and the white supremacist inclinations of those things. And uh, my dear brother, you were saying that this is a global yes. sort of concern. Yes, what has been uh, discovered is that this guy, um, Chendron, am I saying his name correctly? Don't. I'm not familiar, but... Yeah. Yes, <laughs> he was apparently, and I'm sure many others like him, was influenced by the global fascist, racist, white supremacist movement, even with connections to this Azov battalion in the Ukraine. Yeah. And for a so lot of our readers, our listeners, said. yes, that uh, the U.S. government is giving $40 billion worth of aid to, to stop the Russians. But what they won't tell you, liberal or conservative, is that Ukraine has become the epicenter for white supremacy. And you can Google this, those who doubt this, that white supremacists from all over the world, for some reason, have now chosen Ukraine as their headquarters. And they have regular world meetings. They say Steve Bannon's been there and all of the leading white supremacists in the world. So we need to keep that in mind for all of you patriots who think that, you know, we should be in Ukraine helping the fascists there instead of suppressing the fascists in the United so, States. So, yeah, we, let's hold that for a second Ooh, here. Can I, can I hold yeah. it back real quick? Uh, yeah, yeah, get, so, get you some licks in. Yo, yo, I was that patriarch, right? I was that patriot, right? At 2006, I was just getting out of high school, Bush-era presidency, you know, leaving the, con leaving the construct of what is my lived experience, the environment in which I grew up, hearing guns on the street, well, doggone it, I might as well make noise on the other side of the world. They gonna pay me, right? The, the military to a young black man, was some semblance of what money to like social prestige but also like some degree of respectability for my ignorance in going and being deployed and recognizing how when we do proxy warfare with respect to like the colonial nature by which we engage the rest of the world it's it's chickens coming home to freaking roost because to the degree that afghanistan was a was a uh, concentrated center of islam uh, of radical islamic um mm -hmm. freedom fighters who the Mujahideen are fighting for the freedom and prestige of Islam. As, not, as a non-member of that religious understanding or that religious uh, culture, what I will say is that at the very minimum, there is a concentration of or under a common cultural and religious narrative to fight a very centralized, ethnocentric power structure. But because we play the world like that, now we see how the play is being man manifested on the home front. And when I say home front with respect to the war acumen, I'm talking about protecting Europe. Yeah, so speaking of the Mujahideen, the United States actually supported them, mm -hmm. you know, and bin Laden and all the other Islamic reactionaries that emerged. Um, but my brother, um, Vincent, um, you were going to tie in the mental health aspect yeah, of yeah, this. Yeah, let's, I mean, let's hold this. Um, and just to say, well, and, and it's, it's quite the enmeshment of, of a couple of different concepts here as we, you know, we are kind of throwing it about here but to hold uh, this is so uh, after he's discovered 
his parents released a statement and in the statement the parents were saying that this uh, pandemic has had a mental health toll on their son and you know also perhaps I don't know if this was a prepared defense or what have you but this goes in concert with and things that I've somewhat observed out of adults but you know mainly children teens you know those that are more most vulnerable in psyche the CDC has described the pandemic as a mental health pandemic for mm. uh, teens all in the same so to hold that you know the the anguish and all the different uh, social function is that deteriorated for I don't know let's go ahead and say all of us <laughs> to various levels you know that that's to be understood and held but even in my worst mental health day hmm. I didn't even you know fathom to <laughs> take up arms in the need mm. to be you know some cockamamie scheme Isn't for it? whiteness so that's to say <laughs> it like what when we look at these things and there, there's some things that supersede other parts you know so yes there was you know this mental health concept here but the heavyweight champion still reigning in this country and how and how we see things white supremacy so many things to be held with the violence and how it is fomented within this white supremacist construct also wanted to look at the patriarchal piece of it you tend to notice that a lot of women young ladies while they do you know struggle with the manifestations of violence they're mostly perpetrated upon but you don't see a lot of young ladies going into this mass indiscriminate mm -hmm. shooting they're typically not uh, the leading forces on a lot of this white nationalist, white supremacist sort of um, inclinations here. So you can see that system of dominance that is controlled by men has a very uh, much of a, you know, interwovenness to this. So I don't know. Let's, uh, oh, I'm going to let you holler at this, man. What, uh, where do you see some of these conjoining sort of themes? It's, it definitely lives at the level that um, women, uh, with respect to uh, those who birth us, those who raise us, those who counsel us, those who are our first, you'll forgive this uh, metaphor, um, like teacher, our first, our first comfort, our mm. first source of food, uh, some would call like the first manifestation of God. With respect to like an infant child like, engaging with the world, safety, mm -hmm. warmth, all that, cool, cool. They are here with us in every step of the way with regards to human experience what they have to deal with as my brother says they see what's going on they are subjected to it and even the legitimate uh like you know outpouring of righteous indignation that is owed to them purely to speak out i'm not saying they don't do it in re with respect to us i'm saying yo way too many things are held down by them to engage in any type of foolishness on our part and fundamentally speaking we politically engage at their expense. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So, and it's held so tightly because they know that if we start to transcend these things, other parts of it will come unraveled as well. You know, you <laughs> yeah, see that. Being, being held to a standard. Yeah, this, this kid had the means to do this and quiet is kept. You know, um, they, you're starting to see 
in this uh, ruling class sort of uh, perspective of they're needing to quell this because, you know, internationally, this is a lot of egg on their face here. So, but you're starting to see a, a somewhat of a theme of charging the parents of some of these kids that are mass shooters Ooh. yeah to um some degree of culpability uh, you saw that in a, there was a, a smaller mass shooting in michigan with a young guy he took a a gun to school and killed some people or injured some people so his parents got charged and i think they're going towards this for this uh buffalo shooter parents and you see it it's like you didn't know i mean it's and i get that you can't be all places at once and you know one to one but your kids are Nazi, and you have quiet as kept. <laughs> mm, yeah. Where was, where does you in a, in a household? You know, so much of this, Mike. We hold it. It's like y'all have to have a conversation. I'm talking about white people. Mm. You need to have a conversation mm-hmm. in your household. Yo, how draw the line as thickly as possible in red. Yes, and letting it be known that. You know, any sort of leanings towards white supremacy, because we know the history, we know the all of the genocide mm-hmm. and the havoc and devastation that it has caused on this land, many other lands, the whole world. They know, they know. They yeah, know. I think they know. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, like, to, to speak on that, I think that's kind of where, uh, that's our first sort of order of business here is, Laying that down because it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what my kids doing every minute of the day, but I'm, I have a pretty good mind to know they, mm-hmm. they are not um, fashioning up a, a replacement <laughs> war. They're not, they're not throwing the first brick in a white supremacist, you know. So, but it's, it's held so easily for so many. It feels like, and we got, we got a lot of, or let me go ahead and say they got a lot explaining to do within their own mm. sort of psyche in here you know they they say the black family's dysfunctional and it's funny that like yeah. with to the degree that they keep saying and screaming jews will not replace us well, okay but like yeah. you know who you talking to yourselves yeah, you need to okay so that you know what i mean so here we are trying to figure out what these things can be held we're trying to gain some sort of liberation from this white supremacist construct and you can see it kind of just play out to his heights here i know mike man you how do you see this thing like where do you see the off-ramp on here well actually i see civil war coming and mainly because uh, there are so many people who are unaware have no historical understanding that white supremacist domestic terrorism is a U.S. tradition. It didn't just start yesterday. This is not... It's baked into apple pie. Yes, you know, we're hearing liberals talk about this is not our democracy. No, this <laughs> is what they call democracy. Well, so, well. yo, yeah, that's, it. that's where we at right here, man. We got three minutes. Let's drop the hammer, man. How we how we get out of this thing here? Yeah, that's what I was trying to yeah, lead let's to. Go. Let's get it. Is that first, we got to know the history. We mm-hmm. got to dispel the notion that this is some type of aberration or unusual thing. Fight for CRT. Mm-hmm. Mass yeah. murder is part of the U.S. history, particularly racial domestic terror, and which is why there's so much opposition to critical race theory because to do critical race theory is to uncover the history of this domestic terrorism. Hmm. And many people are afraid 
to open that box, and they're yeah. fearful that blacks will be, want revenge, and we don't want revenge. Okay, we want the oh, truth, and we want justice. And yeah. we want accountability. The tangible aspect of this is, fundamentally speaking, when it comes to the centers of black populate, I'm talking everywhere we find ourselves, we need to hold this power structure and these police, these Homeland Security, the State Department to account, and all they got to do is tell us, how many of them do you think are around? Y'all better investigate this up, and then you're going to be accountable by telling everybody at the same time, and then we're going to talk. Yeah. Yeah, we we got, got some big explaining to do here, and, we, and we're gonna keep on the uh, those who seek truth and justice in this world. We're gonna keep our finger on that community control. Now, let's close it out here with with some final words we got for him. We got thirty seconds. Power concedes nothing without a fight, nor does it conceive in any other fashion. Hey, complicit silence is complicity. Yes, 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 yes. White folks, man. <laughs> We ain't forgot about y'all. Free all political prisoners. Free Leonard Peltier. Free Mubia Abu Jamal. Community control now. Let's get free. Free our minds.